What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Sheehan Show here on Sherdog.com. Coming to, to you from a very warm Ireland, which is odd, but um, it was a very warm weekend in the world of mixed martial arts as well, if we want to put it that way. There was lots of stuff going down. There was a big UFC card over in London. There was a Cage Warriors card in London, and there was a Bellator card as well. And there's four things from the weekend that I want to unpack, and that's why I've jumped on here today to talk a little bit about them. We have next week as well with the massive UFC card. I'm going to have another video this week talking a little bit about Amanda Nunes uh, and her legacy uh, in that. But let's look back for a second on the weekend that was and the big things that came from because I think it was a very interesting weekend in in a few different ways and I want to look at a few things but also a few fighters as well the first thing you have to look at is Paddy Pimblett Paddy Pimblett Molly McCann because uh, uh, they said that they're a package deal and in some ways they are now I, I think that's probably better of a package for Molly than it is for Paddy. But why not? If you're in that position, we've seen it here in Ireland with McGregor, you know, with all the, the people coming through, whether it's Artem or, or, you know, the litany of fighters that came afterwards, even, the, you know, the likes of Kyle Pinder and others as well, that got into the UFC and got places because McGregor kind of opened that door. Paddy Pimblett has done a similar thing now for Molly McCann. And we saw Cage Warriors as well. There was there was supposed to be a lot of fighters for his gym on the card. They only managed to be, I think, one in the end, was it? Um, but that, that didn't happen. Molly has made a, a great job of that and come with Paddy and... She's been doing the most important thing as well. She's been winning her fights. So it's a very, very interesting time. Now, for me, covering Paddy Pimblett is probably a little bit more difficult than everyone else because I'm here in Ireland in the UK and I cover Cage Warriors all the time. And, um, you know, obviously working over for Severe May as well, our website has been interviewing Paddy Pimblett since he was basically a child. So we've seen all of Paddy Pimblett's fights. I've been watching Paddy Pimblett's fights since he got into Cage Warriors, since he was on the way to the title, lost the title on the way back, and on the way back again, you could say, for, for the third time. I've seen loads of his fights, and there's plenty of podcasts and videos out there of me analysing Paddy Pimblett and talking about him and everything like that. There's even a few things from Paddy Pimblett talking about me, but we, <laughs> we won't go any further than that. And he was right in that case, so I don't hold that. There's no grudges held or anything there, but um, it's it's easier to ride the high train because of that, but it's also harder in a way because it's, sometimes you see a fighter coming through and you maybe haven't seen much of them, right? And they excite you. And then you say, well, next time they're going to fight someone like maybe a, a Michel Pereira for me. I obviously saw a bit of him before he came to the UFC because he had the highlight reel and, you know, our guy, Rebecca Hitman, had it up and all. He came into the UFC and, you know, the mad fights and, you know, I'm a big Michel Pereira fan. But maybe if you went back and watched another bit of Michel Pereira, there might have been a fight where he got wrestled or there might have been this and that and that. So sometimes... You're, you know, you're better off to have less knowledge so you could enjoy it a little bit more. And I feel maybe that's a little bit the case with me and some people in the UK and Ireland covering uh, Paddy Pimble because he's come into the UFC and he's ran through the competition, basically. Now we can nitpick uh, issues, I suppose, with him, but he has beaten Vandermini in the first round via knockout. He submitted Vargas in the first round with a rear naked choke, and he submitted last weekend uh, Jordan Levitt in the second round with a rear naked choke as well. Three wins, three re rear naked chokes in a row. Two fights, four getting to the UFC. 
Rear Naked Chokes Davide Martinez and beat Ireland's own Dickie Dalton uh, in the first round of that fight as well. In, in a fight which, you know, for Dickie was in short notice, but for Paddy, he was turned around very quickly. He was supposed to fight Martinez. I think he was even supposed to fight Donovan Desmond a few more as well before that. It was a very tough fight and he did a great job of it. And Dickie stepped in in short notice and did a great job as well. But he's had five wins in a row and it's been great for Paddy and it's been great for UK MMA and these cards coming to London and the pandemic uh, opening up to get back to the UK has come at the perfect time for Paddy Pimlet in the last couple of London cards it's been brilliant it's been big his walkouts himself and Molly with the howler head afterwards and the hat and he's there you know he signed with Barstool and he signed uh, he had uh, Dave Portnoy there and he jumped into his hands and Molly did as well it is brilliant it is brilliant and I, I'll bring it down in a second, but I don't want to bring it down. And you shouldn't bring it down. But from what I'm about to say in a minute, don't let it bring you down. Because I'm trying not to let it bring me down, and I shouldn't bring anyone down. I've often felt like, you know, people come into the UFC and you say someone like a Pereira, and you really like him, and you like them as a fighter, right? Now, my job is to tell you the truth, I suppose, and analyse it the right way. Some people in the media's job is to write that hype thread and keep it going. That's not me, per se. But uh, you see someone like Pereira coming in, and you want to, you know, you want to ride that hype train. You want to, to see it keep on going. You want to see this guy get to the very, very top. And you feel, I feel like that's the way with Paddy Blimblet. We all want, he seems like a nice guy. You know, he said some weird things and some bad things, but... Uh, you feel like he's being real with it anyway, you know? It's, I, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Paddy Pimblet is Paddy Pimblet. You know, a lot of the, the stars in MMA over the last while, it feels like they've been faking it. Colby Covington, the obvious one, the likes of Mansfield. I think Adesanya even a bit. Sean O'Malley obviously faking it, you know, trying to be a star. What You know, trying to be McGregor basically. But what made McGregor was McGregor was McGregor. If you get me, if that makes sense. Conor McGregor was Conor McGregor. You love him, you hate him. But there was no doubt about Conor McGregor being Conor McGregor. Maybe that's changed a little bit recently. Maybe he's a new version of Conor McGregor. But that's what made him the star he was. GSP was GSP, right? And Paddy Pimblett is without a shadow of a doubt Paddy Pimblett. And I like him. I like him, you know, I'm a Man United fan, he's a Liverpool fan, I should hate him, I shouldn't like him, but I do like him, there's no doubt about it, he's one of the only guys, right, where I see his vlog coming up on YouTube, and I watch it, I put it on, I've watched all of his vlogs for the last, you know, 10 episodes or whatever it might be, or 20 episodes or whatever, they're brilliant. They're entertaining. He's funny. He's real. He's not like sitting there on the mat thinking, I'm going to be a world champion. And, you know, it's just like, oh, I'm going to beat everyone on my wake. And you know, it's going to be done in one and all of this shit that we hear from everyone all the time. You could be fighter A, B, C, D, blah, 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 blah. Right? And we all know it. And we all, I've interviewed him. You've listened to the interviews. We all know it. And Paddy... And Paddy Pimblet could say that same thing, right? And we wouldn't think that. Because he is saying it from an authentic place. Like, he believes in himself. He believes in himself. Absolutely. But when he says, like, he believes he's going to get to this area, he's going to beat this guy up, do this thing, you believe, he, you believe that he believes it. Now, maybe you don't believe it, but you believe that he believes it. I love the fact after his fight, and he said some very good things after his fight, and I'll get to them in a second as well. He said that performance was terrible. 
And I love that. I love that. Like my favorite thing, and this is, this will tell you a lot about me now more, <laughs> maybe than, than anything else. One of my favorite things in the world is when you watch the Olympics or a world championship or someone, uh, something like that, and someone wins the silver medal or the bronze medal, right? And they pull it off and they're like, I don't want that. I want the gold, you know? I love that. That is a winner. That is a winner. Show me someone that's happy with, sec- happy with second or third, and I'll show you a loser. And that's... That's harsh. Someone like me, I don't know what it takes to get there. But Paddy Pimblet, I have doubts about Paddy Pimblet in lots of different ways, which I'll talk about in a second. But God damn it, does that man want to be a winner? And does that man show an attitude, at times anyway, or talks, talks about it at times, that he wants to be a winner? And that sort of thing shows that. Also, when he said, I want to fight again before Christmas... That shows a winner. That shows a guy who recognizes that he probably needs to fight. Because if he doesn't fight, if he doesn't continue to fight, it's probably not good for him. And I love that, right? And also, by fighting regularly, you keep the hype train going. Because it's a hype train. And maybe there's negative connotations for the phrase hype train. But a hype train, McGregor had a hype train. You know, GSP had a hype train. John Jones. Hype trains can be great. Like, oh, Roger Huerta had a hype train as well. It wasn't so great. <laughs> you know, or, uh, or uh, you know, Brandon, what's his name in, in one championship now? You know, the, what's he saying name? Oh, God, I can't think of it. So there's like 50 people roaring at the screen right now. Brandon, 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 Brandon. I can't think of it. Anyway, um, he needs to keep that going. McGregor did a great job of keeping that going. He went and he went on tough and people got a bit of break from him. That was great because there was a bit too much of him at times and you don't want that either. And I think Paddy has done a good job of maybe not getting too much of him out there. And People love him and people like what he's doing and it's real and authentic and there's no airs or graces about him as well. Like he, he, everyone's given out the last time about it. He signed a 12 and 12 contract. He goes, well, I knew what I was signing. I'm not complaining about it. I'm going to do this. And you know what? I'm going to get a better contract. And he did get a better contract. He goes, I'm not done that anymore. And it's brilliant. And now we can talk about contracts and I'm not, you know, I'm not getting into that. But from his point of view, from a fan's point of view, he didn't turn into like a crying, moaning, you know, fighter like lots of them have been over the last while. Right. In the eyes of the fans. Now, that's not me saying that. Right. But he didn't do that. And he didn't put himself in there after two fights in the UFC. Someone, you know, if a Cowboy Cerrone or a Joe Lawson or someone even after 10, five, 10 fights in the UFC are doing that be more in line absolutely but after two fights in the UFC he, he's just taken every right step so far for me and it's been absolutely great now let's get a, a little bit to the negatives Paddy Pimblett needs to take bigger steps outside of the cage in terms of uh, his in cage in the gym work than he does any, anywhere else it's all well and good being with Barstool it's all well and good having the hype it's all well and good even even the win in the fights, even going on the three or five five win streak now as he is to engage warriors and, and, and three in the UFC. If he doesn't improve the game, his game, the way he needs to improve it, he will never get to a level and this high train will be derailed. Because he's not there at the moment. Paddy has uh let me let me, let me just look at it here. He has twenty two fights, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, in his career so far. So Paddy, and he's 27 years of age, he made his debut back in 2012. Paddy's been fighting for 10 years. Alexander Gustafson's only been fighting for 15. And look what, look at the way Alexander Gustafson was. So this is not as if, right? Paddy Pimblett is not, Paddy Pimblett is not an up-and-coming prospect. Let's let's get that straight straight away. Paddy Pimblett is not an up-and-coming prospect. Paddy Pimblett's a guy who's been around for a long, long, long time and fought good guys. He fought Julian Arosa six years ago. 
He fought Nad Naramani five years ago. He fought Sarnback four years ago. You know? He he fought good guys a good while ago. And that, that was the level he was at. Right? So Paddy Pimlet is... He might seem to some people like a what is a three fight UFC veteran or is it yeah three fight UFC veteran, but that's not what he is. That's not the the level in terms of experience that he is uh, accrued in his career. But his level of ability, I think, is far below his level of experience. And now people are probably saying, well, Paddy Bimda just finished three guys in a row in the first two rounds in the UFC. What are you talking about? Yeah, he finished guys who were okay fighters. He almost got knocked down one of them. He almost lost a round against Levitt in the first round. He, did, he didn't do great in that first round against Levitt. Now, that's very much nitpicking. But when that level raises, where is Paddy Pimblett going to be, right? So there's two answers to that. If Paddy Pimblett remains at the same level he is at the moment in terms of his ability, and they raise the level, he will lose. He will lose. Let me, let me get that straight to you. There were some people I saw, I think it was Adam Martin talked about Dan Hooker. Dan Hooker would be Paddy Pimblett from pillar to post if they're far right now. Let, let's get that straight. He would destroy him. Like, Paddy Pimblett striking is just nowhere near the level of Dan Hooker. If they fought, just no way. Maybe size would be the only thing. Maybe Paddy would be able to get him down and get a submission. If he can, his submission game is brilliant. But Paddy needs to rise a lot of levels in a lot of different areas. He talked about the weight himself. He's talked about it before. You know, he was saying this fat shaming and all of this. You can take that with a pinch of salt. Paddy knows... He can't bulk up, you know, and put on a load of weight like he has before because he needs that time to improve. It's grand spinning three weeks of a holiday or three weeks eating. It's the month getting the weight back off that you lose improvements in your striking, grappling, control, wrestling and all of that. That's the big problem. And if you're Paddy Pimlet and you're 22 fights into your career and you're going to be fighting again in three months' time, you can't afford to have a month off not improving if your level is going to be rising. You need a month of improvement now in three months, six months, nine months, 12 months, to in 18 months, be ready to fight top 15. That's what you need, right? So Paddy can't, and there's no no one to talk. He'll say this himself. I guarantee you other fighters are saying it. Ricky Hatton, you know, talks about it uh, in terms of like where he was in boxing, that he left a lot of himself in the between the fight parts. MMA is different as well because there's so much to improve on. There is so much to improve on, and Paddy needs to improve an awful lot to get to 18 months' time where he is at the, the place in his career where it's either then you'll become champion or you'll never become champion because you've been around too long, doing it too long. You'll have too many miles on the clock. What year did I say again? 2012. October 2012. It's coming up in two months, three months, on the 10-year anniversary of Paddy Pimblett's debut. Now, he was young, but it's not so much about age. It's miles on the clock, right? So Paddy Pimblett doesn't have that much time to go from here, where he is right now, to the top. But he's a lot of improvement to do. A lot of improving to do. Loads. And uh, he's lost the Sarn back, lost Nad Narmani. I went back and I watched the Sarn back fight, just to think I wasn't going mad. He almost won that fight. He almost won the fight. He almost rear naked choked him in the first round. But after that, he was beating strike and he's beating on the ground. Nad Narmani wrestled him for five rounds. He probably should have lost his fight to Julian Rosa as well. Very close. Took a lot of, you know, big shots in that. But that was four years ago. Now, since then, he hasn't fought a real test. He's had five fights, the three in the UFC, which were lined up for him. Decky Dalton, who's, you know, 
a good fighter in this part of the world, but not a match for Paddy Pimblett. And Davide Martinez, well, he's good. I think if he'd fought Donovan Desmond, that would have been a real test, but that didn't happen. That's no fault of Paddy Pimblett. But when he does get tested, we're going to see if that four years has seen any real improvements. What we have seen so far, I don't think there are many massive improvements. What he has improved on, I think, physically, you know, we talk about uh, outside of the gym and all, but when he does get into the, the cage, he looks bigger physically, stronger and all of that. It looks it looks a little bit like, and maybe I'm wrong here, but he did a podcast like two weeks ago and he kind of looked the same as he did before, just before the fight. Like, is he getting down on that weight too quickly at times or is he too afraid of missing weight that he gets down really early and in the last two weeks he's maybe too low in weight? I think that could be a case of it as well. So maybe that that's another thing that he can uh, clean up and get better. But he has definitely got better in that uh, uh, way. His jiu-jitsu has always been great, but it's very gotten better. He's getting a lot of finishes. His striking as well has improved at leaps and bounds, I would say, but still not on the level. Like if he gets into a striking matchup with anyone in the UFC's lightweight top 50, I would say. I saw someone, I think it was actually Paddy who said the other day, what did he say? It was... 100 fighters in his weight class or 120 fighters or something in his weight class I'm not sure if it's that many but let's say you know I'm not sure how many years but let's say there's f- the top 50 unless you pick out someone very rare Paddy's gonna have worse striking than most of them I would say he's wrestling and he's grappling are good but I think he can get out wrestled as well by a lot of a lot of people in that division. He's going to have to improve an awful lot in those areas. Jiu-Jitsu, okay, is good. Defensively, offensively, we saw in the starting back fight, off- uh, defensively, very good. But that's the reality of Paddy Pimler, right? And that's why it's so tough for me to ride the hype train, to enjoy the hype train, because I know behind the hype train, there is a hugely flawed fighter who needs mass improvements. Now, I hope he makes all those improvements. I hope all those improvements come, or I hope they're never showed up. Because Paddy Pimlet getting right to the top is great for me. It's great for everyone watching this. It's great entertainment. It's great business. All of that. I hope it happens. But it won't. It won't. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, I, I've nearly done the whole podcast now on Paddy Pimlet, but I, I will touch on another couple of things. One guy I really want to touch on, right, and this will only take a couple of minutes, but Lonier Kavanagh. If you don't know this guy, if you haven't seen this guy, check him out. He had a fight on Cage Warriors this weekend, and I'm massively impressed with him. He's now 4-0 in his career, and he beat Anders Sanchez in Cage Warriors. He won his previous Cage Warriors fight with a big knockout against Ryan Morgan. Before that, um, he guillotine-choked uh, Dylan Missan uh, in a round, and in, in two rounds, he won his fight in his uh, debut before that as well. Um... This guy is a real, real top prospect. 125 pounder, Brad Pickett in his corner, fights a bit defensively like Brad Pickett, which is probably not a good thing, but he's young in his career. Four fights. So comfortable in there. So comfortable. Got hit with a big shot, almost knocked out in this fight, but came back and was comfortable again after that. Did really, really well. Really, really well. There's a few things he needs to add to his game that a young fighter like him can add easily. I think... For a 125-er, he's going to have to up the output, right? He's going to have to get a little bit faster, and I think the cardio is going to have to improve. But all of those sort of things will improve together. You know, if you fight at a faster output in training, throw more shots, the cardio, I think, would... I'm no expert, but that will all improve together. You'll get more used to fighting that way. At 125, you're going to need to do that. But the, one of the most important things for me in an MMA fighter watching him on the way up is the comfortability in the cage. And to me, Lanier Kavanaugh has that. He's a slick striker and can show it four fights into his career. 
This guy, I really, really like him. I really like him. There are many fighters, you see, there are lots of fighters, you see, sorry, who you think are good. Three, four, five fights into their career on cage wires, so I watch an awful lot. But it's very rare I look at someone and think, God almighty, this guy could be special. Now, he will or he won't. It can happen, as Jail Sonnen famously once said, there are two doors, there's a road to failure and there's a road to success. And both of those roads can be easily walked down. You know, and it's just as easy to walk down the road to failure. But with all the ability that Kavanaugh has, I, I think success is the uh, is the more likely road for him. I really, really like him. I think he's very, very good. Right. Two guys I also want to talk briefly about here in the middleweight division, Rinieda Ritter and Dalton Rasta. Um I was so impressed with both of these guys here. Rene de Ritter, I did the preview for it. I watched a few of his fights. And he's a guy as well. Like, he's he's a relatively, uh, you know, uh, one-dimensional fighter, I would say. Well, maybe not one-dimensional. One-dimensional is, is unfair, but a very good wrestler and a very good grappler. His striking is, I would say, improving, but not there yet. But he's such such a good wrestler, such a heavy top game that he can get to the, the fight to the ground really, really well and dominate it there. And when he gets it, there his jiu-jitsu is just really, really good. We saw, if people didn't see, the, uh, the was it an inverted triangle he got at the weekend? It was absolutely phenomenal. And then Dalton Rasta beat Romero Cotton over in Bellator. Really, really impressive. Out-wrestled Cotton defensively and offensively. Landed some really big shots, was able to get the big left hook KO, knocked him out, absolutely folded him, and a great win. And it got me thinking, you know, we saw the Bellator title fight uh, not too long ago, um, we, and we saw, obviously, Musasi losing that, Musasi being the champion before, and then we see the Ritter being the champion over in one. We see Dalton Rasta on the way up and a few others as well. We see, um, you know, the likes of Costello Van Stienis and Fabian Edwards as well in Bellator. And it got me thinking, like, I think middleweight is the maybe the one place, maybe, maybe someone else will disagree with me, that you could actually probably get, like, a top 10 of outside of the UFC fighters versus UFC fighters. And the outside of the UFC fighters might actually be better than the UFC fighters. Like, I think the UFC middleweight division is lacking an awful lot. I, I think uh, John Salter would uh, <laughs> would be right up there with uh, with Adesanya. You know, I, I really do. I, I think it's a I think it's a very very tough fight for uh, for Adesanya. The the level of wrestling uh, that uh, that he has. You know, or sorry, not John Salter. John Salter, Johnny Eblen. My my apology. I've been thinking of John Salter to fight before Johnny Eblen, of course, who's the champion at the moment. I also think Rene de Ritter is a very, very tough matchup for Adesanya. We saw, like, Adesanya, and, like, Edlin especially, what he showed now where he could do a bit of striking and set up his wrestling and get it to the ground. Adesanya, we saw in the Jan Blachowicz fight that he wrestling was obviously an issue for him in the middle of the cage. We see both of these guys can get takedowns in the middle of the cage. When you push him against the cage, he's really, really good takedown defense. But the thing is, in that middleweight division in the UFC, apart from a couple of guys, Mooney's and a couple more on the way up now, maybe Cow Bahayo in a few years, it's really lacking wrestlers. Like, you look at other divisions, lightweight, you have Makachev, you have Colby, obviously, in 170, you know, but you know, a wrestler at the top as well. Um, and you could probably say, you know, the same, uh, you, have, you have loads of wrestlers in all different divisions. Makayev coming up at 125, and you don't really have that much 
at 185 and you haven't had it much over the last couple of years either I feel like that's why I always thought Colby maybe going up would, would have been wise but now maybe Mooney's and others coming through but I think you look at Johnny Eblen not John Salter and you think well that's a nasty matchup for Adesanya if he can take him down and a matchup he hasn't really faced apart from Blahovich. and Blahovich isn't even that really is he you know he's more of a striker that adds in a bit of wrestling very good wrestler as well so I actually think that's a very interesting just having watched those two fights over the weekend you look at something like Rasta, someone like Rasta as well, who's big, massive, and strong, very good wrestling, but good striking as well. I don't think we have too many of those that good in the UFC. Like, we had the Wildmans for a while, we had the Rockholds for a while, but they've kind of fallen off now, gotten older with the injuries and all of that. You've the likes of Darren Till ranked like number seven or something. It's, yeah, that division isn't the greatest, but outside of the UFC, I think it's actually. Um, it's actually pretty good. So that's one interesting fact that I think we got from the weekend with those two big wins. Great win by the Ritter. Great win by Dalton Rasta as well. Last thing I just want to talk about is a quick look at the three main events in Bellator, Cage Warriors and UFC. And obviously three very differing main events there. Uh, I actually fell asleep in the middle of the Bellator one and you would forgive me. It was like 5.35 a.m. I watched two rounds of it, fell asleep. I was talking to my good friend, Ian O'Neill. He goes, you saw the first two rounds? Well, that's exactly what happened in rounds three, four, and five, apart from the upkick in round two. Uh, but having said that, a great win for Jason Jackson. I've been a massive fan of Jason Jackson for a long time. I think he's a fantastic fighter, beating both of the Lima brothers now. Um, but he's in an awkward position, obviously, because we know Amasov, he was off, obviously, fighting in the war over in Ukraine. I believe, was, I saw someone saying he was fighting in, sorry, uh, training in Germany now. So he's on the, the comeback trail. Logan Sorley obviously won the title in, you know, pretty controversial circumstances, in my opinion, against MVP. MVP's gone off doing a bit of um, uh, bare-knuckle boxing now, which is another crazy story. But we leave that, <laughs> we leave that one for another day. And... Um, it's really left kind of an odd situation in that division because, look, the interim champion and the champion are going to have to fight. But Jason Jackson is, without a shadow of a doubt, in place to fight for that title. Now, it makes sense if MVP was around and maybe they could fight. And, uh, you know, we could have maybe those two fights on the same card and the winner fight the winner and it'd be perfect. But, like, he's beaten Lee, uh, Lima, Paul Daly, Neiman Gracie, Benson Henderson in his last, what, four fights. That's enough in that division to get a title shot. It really is. But what's he going to do? I think it's very interesting to see what he is going to do. Um, maybe if that fight is made in, you know, let's say it's made in towards the end of the year. I think at that stage, you're probably best off going to that fight, being caged. I'd watch it and say, I'm going to fight the winner. Because I think he is the consensus number one contender. I think he kind of has to be. And I think he needs to put himself in that position. Bit risky to take another fight, but it's a bit risky to wait as well. It's worked for some people, hasn't worked for other people. Um, but that's, I think, what I would do. I would say, wait. If that, look, if that fight is not happening, fight uh, story for the interim title. But if that fight is happening, I would wait out and try to fight the winner. So I think that's what he would do. And for Lima, for Lima, it's a very tough one. He's lost to Musasi, Amasov, Page, and Jackson. Four fights in a row. All good fighters. You know, I beat Rory McDonald and Michael Page before that and Karishkov as well. What do you do? I think a change might be in, in line for him. Maybe it's PFL. I don't know what the UFC take him off for four losses. But I think maybe a change would be best for Lima at this stage of his career. He's 34 years of age. Still a lot of fight left in him. Okay, he has 40-odd fights. 40, what, three, 42, 43 fights. Um, he's been around for a long time. But I, I would like to see a run in him somewhere else. I would like to see him maybe in... 
uh, in PFL next year, maybe, or get a few fights in the UFC if they would take him. I think that'd be fun. Uh, Cage Warriors main event then was the, the best of the three main events of the weekend, without a shadow of a doubt. Uh, George Hardwick got to put up to him by Kyle Driscoll. You know, Driscoll came in over from America. Everyone talking about him coming out of AKA, being this wrestler. But he struck with George Hardwick for a long time in this fight and had some success. But Hardwick was able to come through it. And they got the finish in the fourth round. Afterwards, he called out in a very respectful way, Joe McCulligan, who had been the champion, but as work commitments, let the title go, so George Hardwick could fight for it. But Hardwick has had an awful tough time over the last while. He was supposed to fight Bin Lakdar for the title at the end of last year. That fight fell out. Then he got Lucas Cabrera in a non-title fight. He was supposed to fight then uh, against, uh, was it Daniela Barello in a fight? Uh, he pulled out. Then the Kyle Driscoll fight eventually. So it's, this has been going on for a year-ish. Um, and it's that must have been sought off for him. But he finally picked up the title. And he's finally the champion. What is big as well, though, on that card is Mike Figlak came through, beat the former champion, Argie Sadari. So if John McCulgan isn't going to fight... Mike Figlak is just there. He's eight. No, he's a phenom. Really phenomenal. His brother, Matthias Figlak, could be fighting for the uh, welterweight title as well against Reese McKee. Possibly. We don't know. Could be Jimmy Wallhead. Could be uh, Matter Flaminas, who had a fantastic win over another massive prospect, Jesse Holland, who was eight and all coming into the fight. But the prospect killer, Matter Flaminas, beat him. Flaminas also has a win over George Hardwick, who's the welterweight or the lightweight champion. He's up at welterweight now. Would he go back down to fight Hardwick again for the title? I'm not sure, maybe, I, I don't think so per se, but that welterweight, uh, lightweight mix there at Cage Warriors was fantastic, and that main event kind of brought it all to the boil. We had a few cards recently with Cage Warriors where, you know, there was missed uh, weight and title fights, and obviously Hardwick's fight was, you know, taken away and wasn't a title fight anymore, so it's great to have kind of a bit of closure on that. Now, there should have been with the 125 belt as well, but uh, Dylan Nazan, I believe, missed weight, so that didn't end up happening there, but very interesting. And then the main event in the UFC, you know, what did it go? 15 seconds, uh, Blades threw two right hands, Aspinall threw one kick, and he went down. I had a feeling coming into this fight, I, I, look, I didn't have a feeling that it was going to end like this. I just had a feeling it was going to be a bad night in UK MMA. I just really, you know, and my feeling was maybe Paddy would lose, maybe Bla maybe Aspinall would lose. I thought Aspinall would lose. I thought Paddy would win, but I thought there was a chance he could lose. And if the both of them had happened, it would have been awful altogether. Now, Aspinall did lose, but it was almost in a good way in terms of the fan reaction. It was like, oh, this is disappointing, but we feel sorry for him more than this is terrible. Throw our drinks into the cage, you know. Blades made himself a bit of a baby face in the end. Aspinall, everyone feels sorry for him. It was okay in terms of that. Obviously, terrible in terms of Aspinall. He got a win in his, or sorry, he got a loss in his record and he misses out, misses out on a big opportunity and he has this horrific looking injury. Hopefully, it's not uh, as bad. I'm still waiting to hear. I'm recording this not too long after that, so I'm still waiting to hear how bad it actually was. So, um, it was an awful way for the main event in an awful card as well. Let's be honest here. It was a terrible card. Paddy Pimblet, Monty McCann, who we talked about at the start, absolutely saved it. And for the main event to end that way, after the magnificent London card the last time, it was an awful shame. But look, at the end of the day, it's the injury to Tom Aspinall that matters more than anything else. And it's an awful shame for him and for Blades as well, you know, who might have been possibly robbed of, you know, a, a great fight or a fight at night bonus or a win or moving himself back into the title picture. You know, and you could say the same, obviously, for Aspen as well. Very, very tough and, uh, you know, a disappointing 
made of it. So yeah, that's it for me. I hope you enjoyed this. Let me know what you think in the comment section below of any of the calls I made there on Paddy, on uh, Lanier Kavanaugh. If you've seen him, let me know what you think. Let me know about the middleweight pitcher and about the main events as well from last weekend. All right, I will leave it there. My name is Sean Sheehan for Shardog.com and I'll see you all next time.